Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. And joining me is somebody who's listened to my interviews for years. We've been living in the same city for I don't know how long. And we didn't know about it until just before we started recording. Later today, we're going to get together for a scotch. I'm looking forward to getting to know him because, boy, his story is so freaking moving. Raj Seth is a guy who decided he was going to start a company. And like many people, he failed and shut it down. And still he persisted. I don't know why he felt that he had to continue with entrepreneurship, but he did. And it's a good thing he did because he finally figured out a way to make it work. And what I admire about Raj Seth's business is that, first of all, he noticed that Smaller businesses were using email and spreadsheets to keep track of the hiring process. And it's just a pain in the, it's a pain. And so he created a company that relieved that pain. Recruiter Box put it all into software that managed the recruiting process in a more organized way. What I admire is how like hand-to-hand combat his first sales were. It was like one person at a time, then more methodically from 10 to 100, just still very small scale growth. But a little bit faster, then bigger. Then he figured out, you know what? If we want to go after enterprise, we need to re- rethink how we do our sales, how we present our product. And then he put together a team and went after enterprise. And I have this sense, and we'll find out whether this is true, Raj, or not. But I have a sense that Raj maybe burned out, maybe got exhausted, definitely needed some rest, and he sold the business. And we reconnected um, through Nathan Latka's YouTube show that I think is off now. But what he was doing was he was bringing a bunch of people together to see if they wanted to buy startups. And Raj was on there. He is in the market to buy startups. That's the next part of his his life. And we're going to talk about, I hope, how he makes his buying decisions, like how he ended up buying Fly Data. Um, and what he's looking to do next. We can do it thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first will host your website, right? It's called HostGator. And I urge you to go sign up for them at hostgator.com slash Mixergy when you need to uh, host a website. And the second, you may, be th- you may be thinking of all sales is happening online. You're going to hear through Roger's story that calling, talking to people helps close more and bigger sales. And I'm going to tell you later, when you're ready to hire a salesperson, go to overpass.com slash Mixergy. Raj, good to have you here, man. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks uh, for finally having me. (laughs) I can't believe we didn't do it, but I'm glad we're doing it today. Um, Tell me, you know that I like to get a sense of revenue. I'm not looking to pry, but I do want to get a sense of how big did the business get? Recruiter Box uh, was right under 5 million ARR when when it was acquired. Profitable? Uh, Yes. Bootstrap the whole way, profitable. Uh, I, I wish we had put more of the profit and the EBITDA in our pocket, but we just kept plowing it back into Why? the business. Wasn't that a good idea to just keep reinvesting in the business and see it grow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm half kidding because, uh, you know, at, at some point we, we felt that was always going to keep growing and that was, that was absolutely the best idea. But at times when it plateaued, when we had a couple of plateau years and we had still plowed in more of the revenue, that's when it felt like uh, we should have ran it more profitably. I know what you mean. I look back on my life and there are times when I did that too. And I thought, shoot, I should have just taken the money out. I was really at a place where I was running out of ideas and I was just shoving it out too much. I should have just taken some money out, put it in the stock market or just put it on the side and seen what happened. But for the most part, I, I don't know that I could predict the market and I don't know that I could predict when things will work and when they don't. And so I guess I'm happier that I invested in life instead of yeah. uh, not. Um, were you? Was that a good characteristic? Were you exhausted at the end? Yeah, you, you're not wrong because I was. Uh, it was year twelve. Uh, if I have to combine, you know, the failed 
companies, which were four and a half, five, the first five years, and then Recruiter Box for seven years. We had bootstrapped it and essentially trying different things. And sometimes things not going as fast exhausts you more than the momentum. And uh, we, we kind of felt that we should have we wanted to be at a different point than where we were, but we mm-hmm. did feel that we had all the lessons um, at the time. And, uh, you know, we, we, we basically were holding certain cards and now we had just learned how to play poker better. So yeah, <laughs> exhausted, exhausted is correct. I know what you mean about the exhaustion of not seeing results, not having momentum of when things are just kind of blah. It, it reminds me a lot of when, when there's a building collapse and they send in the dogs to sniff around for humans, if they don't find humans at the end of the day, they don't want the dog to feel disappointed. They will actually get one of their own to go hide in the rubble so that the dog could discover a person and end on an up note because it's it's helpful and healthy for all of us to see progress, to feel like our efforts meaningful. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that actually, that they did that with the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? The idea for this business wasn't yours, Raj, right? You had ideas before. What was the idea that you had just before Recruiter Box? Just before Recruiter Box, uh, if you've heard of Blue Nile, it was completely different than B2B SaaS software, by the way. If you heard of Blue Nile in the US, I had a few friends that were in the diamond manufacturing trade uh, back in Asia, in India, in Israel, in Hong Kong. And so we were essentially thinking of doing a Blue Nile for Asia. And that was the idea that I had immediately before Recruiter Box. Uh, And and the idea was that, hey, we'll kind of bring these manufacturers directly to the customer. And usually these folks were, you know, storing inventory with the retailers and maybe be able to curate uh, a great storefront online. Um, I need more than an hour to tell you everything I screwed up there, but yeah, that was the idea before the crude box. Why did that work? If you could just sum up a little bit of why it didn't work, what's the big picture? I think, um, I think a few things it's, um, when, when you're doing, when you're doing a product like jewelry, you, you can't, you can't have just 15, 20, 25 SKUs. You need the breadth. You need the breadth for people to have the right selection. And the second thing that we were doing is we weren't doing accessible, affordable stuff. We were doing expensive stuff. And this was between 2006 and 2009. And uh, I would argue even now, but folks were not used to making a certain level of expensive purchase online. So I would say those two are the highest order bits. Like there are a lot of things that I personally screwed up to, but those are the highest order bits uh, why this was not going to fly. Even if we had plugged in the other holes and even if we had um, the range and had raised money and all those things. Was the supply willing to work with you with the website? Uh, A limited number of suppliers were, yes. We, We probably had 10 to 12, but probably needed... 200 or 300. I'm trying to understand what or how you were thinking before you found Recruiter Box. So you had that idea. You also had the Craigslist for India idea, right? Exactly. I'm just not seeing a commonality and I'm also not understanding the Raj who was searching what, what your process was. You're such an organized thinker from what I can see. What was the unifying thought process? 
So actually, that's a great question. I'll I'll tell you why. Honestly, I was chasing those things first, and then then we can examine. Did I get more organized over time, or or, or what what happened there? But you know, to be honest with you, I um, I was a business major in undergrad, and I like a lot of us, I was just fascinated with the internet, right? So so if I had to articulate, uh, you know, now a lot of us. Um, you know, I I love different parts of software now. I really do like designing self-serve, you know, product flows and uh, designing great products, understanding problems, all of that. But back then, to be honest, my fascination was with the internet, not with technology, because I was like, wow, here on one domain, I can have my own stadium and I can fill it with people. I can fill it with an audience who have all come in there to watch my game to watch okay. my concert and to be very honest with you that was my that was my fantasy that is why i chased uh, you know all the b2c companies um for the attention that with B2C, when you're going business to consumer, there is a sense that your mom might know what it is. You might go into a bar and have a drink with someone. They say, I was on your site. That is an exciting experience. And so you were just looking for, where can I get mass? Where could people notice me? But then again, when we're talking about diamonds, that's not mass. That's not huge. But I guess maybe within a certain community, people know you. Yes, but 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 you are exactly right. That's why the Craigslist though for India, because I thought that hey, that applies to everybody and anybody that wants to buy and sell anything. Why didn't you feel? I ask this all the time when someone goes through challenges. Why do they stick with it? Why did you stick with it? Why didn't you say entrepreneurship is not for me? I think I'm done. You know, interestingly, um, so two. I kind of figured out two things, right? Like, I love the adventure. Um, so even when I was able to strip away all the, okay, you know, I was chasing the vanity metric here, or, you know, I was chasing this and that, I think I love the adventure of, um, and, and I see this with a lot of my loved ones. They're like, you know, we, we want the certainty, like, what are you talking about? Like what you do, that would give us a lot of anxiety. And what I try to tell people is, if I have, if I was in a very structured role, you know, W two payroll, I'm getting like I know exactly what I'm going to do for the next four years. I'm getting a paycheck every two weeks. That would give me anxiety. It would give me anxiety because then I, everything is known. There's nothing unknown. And is it that you want to figure out the next thing, or is it the I have for me? It's a it's a salesman like possibility where I remember reading books about sales in college, and it was always this ability to to make your own future to work harder, make more money type of thing that at least I could go to sleep if I was a failure thinking, but if I do something right, look at how big I can go. And then your mind can drift off into that. That's what it is. Exactly. The, the way I put it is I'm, I'm playing for possibilities, not probabilities. Yeah. You, so you will see, you, which, did you allow your mind to I do know that? Sometimes. Is it asinine? Huh? But did you allow your mind to do that as you're walking through day-to-day life? Go, Oh, but this could be so big. Everyone could yeah. like it. Yeah, you did. That's yeah. where it was. Yeah. Yeah. I was constantly, that's what, that's the fuel that that's what kept me going. I was like, Oh, I know I, you know, screwed up here. Now I can do this and this will happen, etc. So absolutely. I have friends who, especially here in San Francisco, I love how big they think. I love how they're just saying, this is the future. They'll tell you what the future is. This is what we're doing. They'll tell it to you with such confidence. They'll tell you all the people who back them. And truthfully, I've seen some of them say this, declare the future is whatever, then it fails. 
and they're still happy-go-lucky, and then they do it again. And I think, are you a freaking mental patient who doesn't recognize that this is happening? Or are you snowing me and everyone else? Or do you truly believe in it? And I, I guess in my good moments, I think they must really believe it. It seems to me from the look on your face, you really believed each next one was going to do it. There was no part of you that that said, those other ones didn't succeed. I better not say too much about this one. Yeah, it's it's just the next one, the next one that keeps you going. Even to be honest, even when we were exhausted with the recruiter box, I was like, I was like, ah, now I know how to do these 96 things. Now I'm, I'm going to just, I'm not mm. going to have a flat, uh, you know, a revenue product that doesn't have an upsell. Next time I'm going to have employee-based pricing. I'm going to have natural upsell. You know, you, you, the, that story, yeah. the narrative, the fantasy is always going. Now it, it becomes like you put it, now it's become a lot more organized for me. Like it's, it's become less of, it was 80% fantasy, 20%, you know, real touching feeling things. Now it's the fantasy uh, is coming down. And funnily, sometimes when the fantasy comes down, you, you just mentioned your friends that think very big. I, I have to be very honest with you. And I, I used to feel super weird saying this some time ago. I find myself not thinking too big, actually. Mm. You know, there's, there's a reason why I'm even buying these companies, right? Like I'm just thinking um, more measured. I'm thinking what I enjoy more and what I like to fill my days with. Not necessarily always super aligned with thinking about the biggest thing. Um, but anyway, sorry, that's a different tangent. But yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, you know the, the best entrepreneurs that I've seen are the ones that, I shouldn't say best or not, but I do see this class of entrepreneurs, like the founders of Proof, this little widget that tells you who was bought, who bought on a Shopify store a little before you. Yeah. They have a good combination of very practical, this is going to do well. And in addition of, you know what? I see a bigger, better thing than this. We're not just making the widget, we're changing shopping. That they're still very exactly. focused on the today. But I, I think in some cases, they have to be trained by Silicon Valley to think about, all right, now if you could go bigger, what would that be? Tell me that. I don't want to hear about the widget. I want to hear about how all shopping could be customized. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. So do yep. you have that in you? Do you still do you still now look and say, I think this makes sense really? And here's the world that we're we're gonna shape with this. Yeah. So um it is, but funnily, well, I'm struggling with it right now. And I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. When when you try to buy a company and you are constantly think, thinking about what do you think this can be, um, you will behave like a build, builder and not a tweaker, which is completely awesome and fine. I'm just I'm just trying to find my identity between a builder and a tweaker. It's always been a builder. A builder is from new building something. A tweaker is. I could get another 5% this month with this tweak to the landing page. If we go after enterprise, we can 20% grow. That's where you're, you're wrestling with that. Yeah. Tweaker is, for example, mm-hmm. private equity and microsas, which just exactly what you said, they may not know, hey, I'm changing the world of shopping through this. What they are thinking about is, hey, how do I unlock these three things to go from 2 million to 5 million? This can be in happy alignment with each other. Sometimes though, um, to answer your question truthfully, sometimes though, I, I feel like in some situations, too much of the science has crept in and I'm uh, sometimes not thinking about, hey, uh, I'm, and I'm just being candid. Like yeah, I, yeah. I would love to uh, say that I'm always thinking about, I'm changing the world for this. And so- sometimes I'm when I get into the weeds, I lose that. All right. 
that's one of the things that I miss about having poker in this city that you could go to poker with someone and sit around and as they're talking, you do get worked up about what they're doing. Um, <laughs> all right. So you then decided I'm not, well, what I'm getting at is recruiter box was not your idea. It was brought to you by your co-founders. How exactly. did you know them? We met through common friends, actually, uh, who was, um, a you know common friend of ours etc was also doing a startup of his own and we kind of met and they had you know tinkered with of course you know this latest product and a couple of products they both were engineers right one was a, a product front end guy amazing product designer the other one was a back end engineer um but they hadn't gotten this product really out there right like uh, these were folks that could sit in a room and come up with you know, brilliant things, brilliant hypotheses, uh, put it out there. Uh, but when we kind of met, we felt that, you know, if we work together, we'll launch this thing and it could be huge. And uh, what was amazing about that relationship is, to be honest, that was the biggest delta I had in the previous two things. Um, because this was finally a well-rounded founding team. Uh, and, 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 you know, like you could literally take that to the bank, right? Like scientifically that, that worked. So I'm a big, you know, when YC says you definitely need a co-founder, et cetera, I'm big plus one to that. Like I'm a big believer in that. How did they know about this? Were they doing recruiting? No. They so were how not did they even know this problem? We, um, they, they essentially it started out with that, Hey, you know, they were in jobs and they were looking for a job and they're like, is there a better way than, you know, indeed and Google, et cetera. And then the, the question became, what's the origination point of a job inside of a company? And that was like, Oh, it ought to be where you collect the applications, you know, and, and ATS funnily back then we didn't really know what an ATS was or we didn't even know I that. I still don't was, know what it is. What is an ATS? Sorry. An applicant tracking software. So a, well, did a they exist at the time as a category? They did. If you, if you looked at, you know, tally or success factors, there were enterprise okay. HR recruiting products uh, that were called ATSs. The entire like conferences just for ATSs for the, over the last 20 years or whatever. And if you remember job white was like the big Valley company, no. Uh, okay. And, and then greenhouse came along. I'm sure you may have heard of yes, greenhouse. I started to see well. them and then workable where I started to see it is where my friends would link out to their job, open jobs that they need help the filling. And yeah. then you would see it in the URL or you see it on, on the, exactly. on the footer or something. Yeah. So the, so greenhouse level workable were competitors. What was really fun about us were, was you probably didn't see us, see us much in the Valley, but we were discovered completely on Google. So we had a a restaurant in Phoenix, a church in Texas, a high school in New York using our software. How do they we had even like know a, what to look for? I heard that that was one of the, the steps. They, they used to put in things like online free recruiting software, online free recruiting CRM, uh, online So they didn't even free. necessarily know the name for it. They just said, I need recruiting software, something that organizes this. And then they thought to look it up. Exactly. Okay. So they came up with, your co-founders came up with the idea. They mm -hmm. had a sense that you would be a good fit. Mm -hmm. You immediately sign an agreement. You're all working together. Yeah. The, the first uh, day that I met them, we just talked for, you know, two or three hours. Like we just, it was, it was just like one of those things where we just hit it off like crazy. And I think exactly one or two weeks from then we sort of came together and um, kind of 
form the formal structure. Look at this. I found an old photo of them on Medium. I, I don't know who posted oh. this, but look at that. Oh, yeah. That's them from like, <laughs> yeah. like in their 20s awesome. there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's okay. <laughs> 10, 10 plus years ago. And they're old. Um, this is a ThinkPad that still has a, a CD-ROM drive in it. <laughs> they rocked. Okay. So you decide you're going to work together. You're going to do this. They go off and they can they build the software, right? I guess they were close to finishing. Meanwhile, what are you doing? Uh, selling outbound SEO content. Um, From the beginning, before the arrow. software was launched, you, you yeah. did all of that? Yeah, so so we, we had a super, you, uh, launch was a, a soft word for us because for example, we just had the candidate section. We didn't have the opening section, but we had people already paying for it. We had about seven people lit. We didn't even have Stripe set up. Tell me how you got the first customers. You, I, this was hand-to-hand combat is how I called it. I don't like the name combat, but it was, it was one at a time. Uh, what is it called? Retail invest, retail sales, essentially. You're basically doing it one at a time. How did you do it? So, so we, I'll tell you how we got our first offline customer and first online. The mm-hmm. first offline customer was like a local, you know, uh, retail place uh, that essentially, you know, told us, we, we were kind of interviewing people, small businesses. Hey, how do you collect applications? And they said that, hey, this is a huge pain. Can you do this? We're using Salesforce. Can you do that? And then when we built the first section of the product, that was the first paying customer. And fast forward two or three months from them, when we essentially put that product on uh, Google Apps Marketplace and Chrome Web Store back then, even though it wasn't this wasn't a Chrome plugin or anything, but it was sort of discovered there. And we literally didn't even have Stripe billing, but we had screenshots and people started discovering it there and, and they started essentially using it. And after the 14-day trial, we, we literally used to send them a PayPal link. <laughs> um, the, so- the Chrome App Store was a thing. I think it's gone now. It essentially just linked out to websites. It was supposed to be their exactly. version of apps. That didn't work out. It seems like plugins are the apps for Chrome. So. So that got you customers because you were one of the first people to put it on there and you didn't have some of the hesitation that other people did about, well, this is not really an app. It doesn't really make sense. You just said, let's put it in and see what happens. I I didn't even know the difference, to be very honest. So like we were just trying all these things, like trying and... uh, uh, and and basically what and we were we were also trying to do it's funny like uh, there is a thing called Harrow you may have heard of it yeah yeah help, help a reporter, reporter. yeah so I used to like pound that like crazy and you won't believe it in like the fourth or fifth month and I I don't know if you saw my medium where I put a whole uh, set of links of all the press we got for Recruiter Box over the years and. MSNBC, the, ch- the, the TV uh, channel and, and a show on it picked up Recruiter Box and we had a 30-second 30, 30 segment on TV. I don't even know how it happened. Obviously, we didn't pay for it. We didn't even know it was happening. They just picked it up because you were doing so much little press that they, did they talk to you? No. They just it, did it? No. In fact, the only way we found out is uh, there are these services that uh, try to sell you your own clips. If your uh-huh. brand or company has come on, on TV, they'll try to set, 
sell you the YouTube clip. This was back then. I'm like talking 10 years ago. <laughs> and somebody uh, sent it to me like, hey, 100 bucks, do you want this? And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm guessing you just went to YouTube to find it, but I would pay 100 bucks for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. no, I, we, we did pay at the time. So yes. Yeah, I think that and makes sense. You told our producer you personally wanted to demo for every single customer, meaning 700 people got on some kind of screen share with you. Absolutely. Uh, and again, back then, uh, and I don't want to make it sound so dated, but like the first couple of years, I think it was more Skype, not Zoom. They, yep, they, yep. I don't think Zoom was out. But anyway, um, see, our flow was that a lot of people came to a site, signed up, uh, and the onboarding, my co-founder had designed the onboarding in such a brilliant way that if they took those four screens and four actions on the first login, there was a 60% chance that they would uh, put in their credit card and pay. That was the conversion. If you went through that onboarding on the first login, um, we just, since we were like bootstrapped and, you know, we, we were so eager to grow, we wanted to have handholding, even though back then we didn't, we kind of didn't fork the funnel too much, at least in the first two years, we are like, we just want to make sure we talk to everybody. So we make sure they use it, they set it up right and they convert, right? Uh, and so they, these were part outright sales calls and sales demos and they were part onboarding, to be very honest. And they were yeah, over 700 calls of those. And as, by the way, as a product got more and more feature rich, they became sales calls because we we started attracting slightly mid-market companies and we realized that, oh, they don't try anything self-serve. It's a beauty context uh, contest. So they are going to like compare these three products and then choose one based on their list. So there were at least like half of those in the 700 calls. All right. Speaking of sales, let me talk about my first sponsor. It's a company called Overpass. Raj, the way it works at Overpass is this. They, they realize that there are a lot of people who are either hesitant about going out and looking for salespeople. They don't know where to begin, or maybe they, they're not sure if sales fits. Maybe they listen up to a podcast like this one. They hear your story and they say, you know, I think we could use somebody. What do you do? How do you hire someone? And then if it doesn't work out, how do you let them go? Well, what Overpass decided to do was create a marketplace where anyone who needs sales, like maybe for some of your new businesses, you say, let's try sales one morning and you want to do it within a week. This is a good place to do it. Overpass created a marketplace where you get to see who are these people. Maybe the feel you're going for is a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad who has that like certain schedule that they have, a certain sound in their voice. They're more maternal, more paternal. You could hire them through there. Maybe you're looking for someone who does good sales via email, right? Who can open it up. Maybe someone who's great on the phone. You look for those people who have that experience, who have that strength, and then you could hire them. And then to manage them, since they're working remotely, right? They're working from home. They're working from a different country in some cases. What you do is you use the overpass software to know how much email are they sending out? What are the calls? What are they doing? When are they online? What are the results? And to be able to pay them. So it's a low price. Many of them don't even want a big salary. Of course, what they want is commission. How do you manage it all? Overpass has a software for it. So what you could do with overpass is basically sign up and get started with a salesperson that's right for you quickly and grow and hire more if you need to. So it's a great place to experiment, a great place to grow. I'm going to give everybody, including you, Raj, a 10% discount if you use my URL, if you actually go or, in fact, even if you don't use my URL, say Andrew sent me, they'll take care of you. Here it is. Awesome. Go to overpass.com slash Mixergy, overpass.com slash Mixergy. And I got an awesome from Raj. Maybe it now embedded itself in your brain. It's going to come out and change <laughs> your world. We'll do an interview in a few years about how you did that. Nice. Awesome. All right. I'll check it out. 
people would just come to your site because they were, they were going, what was the two second place? It was Chrome uh, app store. And right at the very beginning, there was funnily, they had two, it was Google apps marketplace and Chrome web store. They were two. I don't know if you remember back then there were two different things. What was the that apps had. marketplace? Is that within G Suite or whatever they're calling? Yeah, it? within G Suite, there was a whole like business productivity apps with now the those categories. apps actually had to work within their their suite of software, right? No, to be honest, not back then. It's really what you, it's what you said uh, because I don't remember us having a G Suite uh, integration in in year okay. one, and we were listed, and it would uh, basically you could just link out to your website. That's how it was. Okay. And so anyone who came in, did you initially know four screens and then I want to do a demo or did you start doing demos as soon as they signed up? Uh, the four screens thing was a very early win. Um, because Okay. So the demo flow was to some people didn't sign up and do the four screens. They went to the demo button directly. Okay. So we, we had that available on the front side. So, so those were one, but for the sign up, the four screens was a very early on win because we were focused from day zero, that this is not going to be sales led. This is going to be product led. This is going to be self-serve. So that, okay. I think that focus from day one helped us a little bit now in hindsight, like the many other things that we may have fudged and we learned along the way, but that, focus was, um, and, and subsequently what ended up happening on the onboarding really was the reason why we went from like hundred K to 300 K the next year to a million, the next year. What, do you like, mean? what did you learn? What happened on those calls that allowed you to do it? Uh, no, what happened on the onboarding that allowed us to do it? It was, so, Oh, it was the, the web onboarding that was getting so good that it helped convert more and more sales. Exactly. So what did, and, and I'm sensing that what you're saying is because you made those phone calls, because you did those Skype demos, you understood what would work for people and what didn't, and you kept. Absolutely. That too. In fact, that happened the entire six, seven years, the onboarding beyond the onboarding, who we were selling to, we didn't even think about ICP. See the, the one funny thing is, so I mean, I mean, ideal customer profile. The one funny thing that happened is because the funnel was happening to us because we had put it in so many places and we had different kind of customers. We at some point didn't really know who we were selling to. Right. And you, 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 you know, one may say, who cares? You, you, you guys are doing so well, tripling revenue, it's all coming in, but we at a million and then at 2 million, we hit some bottlenecks because we realized that a certain kind of a segment is going to churn out. They're going to have seasonal hiring. They're going to mm. keep churning, you know, very quickly. And then uh, all the product feedback that we are taking from these long tail of folks, who is it for? Like, if you listen to, you know, one person business, they're like, Oh, give me, give me distribution to 80 job boards. Whereas if you are listening to somebody who has a structured hiring process and is going to pay you for four years, they're going to say, give me better interview evaluation forms mm -hmm. and a way for everybody to add feedback. So it's very important in hindsight. Now it's very important to know who you're taking the feedback from, but yeah, to answer your question, those calls absolutely helped. Um, so how did you integrate it all when you were talking to so many different types of people and you're creating still one product? We, we woke up um, to this a little more seriously when we felt that we wouldn't grow uh, as fast as we should after a million. Uh -huh. And then we did a segment exercise saying that, Hey, 
you know, we used to be, you know, uh, we used to be a product for businesses that use email and Excel to hire today. But now essentially we are a product for people that want to run a structured hiring process and involve the hiring managers, not just the recruiting team, but also the hiring managers. But that came right? later on when you when you said, we're not growing, what do we need to do? Where are the gems within this whole pile of customers? All right, first, first 10 customers, once you had them, you said, if we could get these 10, we could get more. You kept doing more of the same, basically in those app marketplaces, then doing uh, Skype calls with people. You got to 100. 100, you said to our producer, was a big customer milestone. Why is a hundred such a big milestone for you? The, the hundred was a big milestone because the first hundred were harder, uh, were very hard. And we didn't know where they were going to come from, from a hundred to a thousand. It was all SEO, all SEO. And to be very honest with you, if I, if I did, I, we tried a lot of these other things and ads, but if I had just gone to sleep from hundred to a thousand, it was coming in like a, like interest from a fixed deposit bank account, like boom, 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 boom. Like we had search engine optimization just happened to work for you. You didn't put the effort into it. No, no, no. We put the effort in while we were also getting to a hundred in the first two years, we put a lot of, a lot of effort in SEO, but I'm saying once we became the second organic key result on like three or four of our main phrases, uh, which took two years, the effort took two years, mm -hmm. the next three years, we we just reap the rewards of that SEO. To be very honest, Got there it. were 30,000 30, sites uh, visits to the main site, three percent sign up. So that was a thousand a month, and ten percent of that to paying ninety and hundred. You could see a line wow. going out like twenty four months or so. Like uh, you know, basically. And that's when you were saying you were trying other things, but basically none of them mattered. This is the thing that did it. What are some of the other things that you were trying that didn't move the needle enough? The big thing was ads. Um, so, you know, and, but they moved incrementally, but, uh, the, the SEO overshadowed all of wow. this other stuff. Uh, so we would get like 90 from SEO and 10 from ads maybe. Uh, wow. so, so we had Google AdWords and Captera and GetApp back in the day. I know now there's G2. And, um, then we also, we basically still did a lot of the, you know, the Harrow, the content blogging, the webinars, which was all, and this okay. was largely led by you. Not necessarily yes. you doing everything at the time, right? You start hiring writers. Yeah. The first, I, I would say the first two years, I was he heavy lifting as a contributor a lot. The other two years, uh, there were a lot of, uh, you know, contractors, freelancers, agencies. And the last two years, I would say, is we had, um, like we had a proper in-house team and owners. So 2013, you launch. 2014, you hit a million dollar mark in revenue. 2020, um, 20, sorry, 2012 was the first full year of 2012. Operation. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 2013 was when things were starting to grow. Um, got it. 2014, you hit a million dollars. 2015, you doubled to 2 million in revenue. Mm -hmm. And then you told our producer, that's when we got stuck. That's when we started to realize seasonal hiring. So you'd lose customers for that. You'd see churn in general. Was the churn because people were finding other software or just because they would sign up for one thing and move on? No, they, for example, we had an ice plowing um, service and mm. uh, he was the longest customer, but he always came back, uh, used it for three months a year. And then we had a hibernates uh, button, ah. right? So, so, so you pay, even if you're paying $99 a month, you pay for three months, your ACV is only $300 and, and 
they were not paying us again. And it was and hibernate was- so they could save their settings. And then when it's ready for them to go back in, got it. And meanwhile, in that period, you're not making any money from them. No. You, you try, you try, you look around for everything. And then at some point you realize enterprise. How do you, how do you understand enterprise? So, uh, so I would I would say mid market by the way not not enterprise because uh, now we understand like how big that leap is okay. but the the mid market is uh, these were people that we the cat had already dragged in right like now we had like a thousand fifteen hundred customer paying customer data and then we had companies that had truly loved our product and picked us over the competition they were not the seasonal hiring folks these were scaling companies. Um, and we also had, you know, a few here uh, in the Bay Area. These, these are scaling companies. And what we understood about them is, A, they have a structured hiring process and they have a budget to solve this problem, whatever that may be, $10,000 a year or whatever. And and so we were like, we're going to focus on these folks, like all our, our front side positioning, our product, our onboarding, our pricing is going to be positioned towards these folks. Now, 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 mind you, we were not super successful at that, though. I should also add that, um, right? Because it, it we had some success with it, but we found the positioning pivot really difficult, if I have to be honest with you, which ultimately led to the acquisition. We we still mm-hmm. kept getting those, <laughs> the, the inbound uh, journey funnel that's kept paying the small money. I guess I kind of thought that it that it worked. Maybe I misunderstood. I had a, a, the sense that, um, and I'm going to the internet archive to see what the, how the site evolved. But it seemed to me that at some point you'd figured out that you need to talk to your customers the way you did in the beginning to close the bigger sales because they wanted it to hear your voice, and that you also needed to increase price because they had a bigger budget. And sometimes having too low a price reduces their confidence in you. And is that what it was, or it was these are improvements, but they didn't revolution revolutionize no, so, things. No, so you're precisely right, and it did work. I'm I'm just, I'm saying it didn't work to the extent that we galloped to 10 million in revenue. That's what I mean. Okay, uh, and, and this is again the conundrum of expectations versus. So it did work. In fact, uh, in fact, uh, after the private equity fund bought that, and I'll, I'll come back on the time scale, bought us they. What they did is they turned off the self-serve funnel. They made it an all outbound, uh, not outbound. They made it an all completely SDR qualification. Let's you know talk to an AE annual contract completely. They committed to that completely. Um, I don't have the numbers now <laughs> to tell you where it is now. Like I've obviously not gone back and asked them, but... Uh, to, to get back to your point, it did work for us a lot. I'm just, we just still felt like we had one foot here and one foot there though. Um, and it was a slow movement. And even the perception in the customer's mind, like was, and the kind of questions that they had, you know, back, we, we had like a huge, we closed our average price point, for example, our annual plan used to be 5,000 a year. Like we were stupid. And the product had gotten so much better. And then I remember that we sold a 60,000 a year. We had a customer and that whole customer had different concerns. Like, are you soft to compliant? Do you have all of that stuff? And that needed us to start running down. And that was not a DNA, by the way. We were building these self-serve products. Like think, think Zapier or Constant Contact or 
you know, think, uh, uh, you know, because our whole original thesis was that it's okay. We, we even gave the hibernation button because we are like, we are the most customer friendly, 99 bucks a month. But guess what? We're going to get 100,000 people to pay us. And, 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 and then I woke up, I'm like, you're not accounting. <laughs> people don't need to do, uh, you know, uh, recruiting doesn't work like accounting or payroll. People are always going to keep paying for QuickBooks. They might always keep paying for Gusto, the payroll software, but clearly we were not in that bucket. And then we saw other people position the value very differently. And like Greenhouse comes along and says, data-driven recruiting, data-driven recruiting. I mean, uh, the I don't think the product had like, you know, pigeons flying out of the browser. It was, but the the marketing and positioning, like Greenhouse is a brilliant, you know, sales and marketing story because they got all the VCs to pitch Greenhouse to their portfolio companies. And all of a sudden you're like, everybody's on Greenhouse and hey, if Greenhouse is good enough for Uber, it's good enough for us at DoorDash. Uh, yeah. And and that's that's how it works. So that we 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 learned all of this uh, painfully. Um, I'm looking at the recruiter box site now, not only is get demo, the only like get started button, but even if I go to pricing, I see the three different buckets, but where I should see the the price, I see a form that says schedule a phone call. Yeah. So I can see how they've shifted completely. Um, I want to find out why you sold, but first I'll talk about my second sponsor. It's HostGator. Raj, let me ask you this. If you're starting right now, you had nothing but a HostGator account. You could build whatever website you want on it. What site would you build? Let's use that for the ad for HostGator. What site would I build? Yeah, you got to start from, you have nothing. You want to start from scratch. How would you get started? Uh, you mean just to build a landing page or a website? Or a new business. What new business would you start that didn't require a lot of development costs? It's just, let's say, WordPress, just simple open source software to get yourself going again. I would, I would, uh, I would come up with a, a Slack game for remote teams to play and bond once a week. Ooh, you know what? Anything that allows remote teams to have some kind of bonding, I think has got huge, huge potential. Um, Slack game is a good one. I really like the companies that also will do, will set you up with things like cooking remotely or wine tasting remotely or something remotely. I, I feel like there are more and more opportunities. I, I'm, I like that idea a lot. I would even say people could start simpler than that. Like what's an interesting thing that already exists that's working for people that you can do remotely for them. All right. Oh, you know what I like? Some kind of game remote might work where you're sitting down and you're playing a game together and you're, all right tons of ideas. Listen up people, whether it's that idea or anything else, if you want to get started and you need a website, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. They've got loads of open source platforms that you can use. I happen to hit that button and get started with WordPress with them. And once you do, it just works and it's portable. If you don't like them, you could take them somewhere else, but I've loved them for years. They've scaled with me and they'll scale with you too. Here's a great uh, URL where, the, where they will give you the lowest price possible. All you have to do is go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. I'm also cautious with the ads. I, I just realized I said the lowest price possible. Maybe it's possible to get a lower ad. I should say their lowest price as far as I know and tell me if I'm getting it wrong. All right. Um, why did, when did you realize I think it's time for me to sell? So, you know, a couple of things were going on here while we were, um, you know, working on, I, I, I don't think pivot is the right word, but while we were like trying to solve for growth, let's say simply, um, 
for a while now um and 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 this is maybe why we also never raised funds by the way for a while now we thought that the applicant tracking software or this recruiting software was not the big thing that was going to change anything in recruiting and and funnily here's where we connect the dots with what you were saying at the beginning of the call which is what what's that one thing uh, what's that one thing that you guys were thinking about when you talk to your friends that this is going to change the world and that's really the fuel right like when yeah you were making revenue now you're already making money that was really the fuel and so to be very honest with you we couldn't help ourselves but we went about finding that thing in r&d so i'm just uh, we have mm-hmm. i'm not we've not we've shared this with whenever it comes up but not really openly so our third co-founder the guy who designed the onboarding flow peeled off for the last 18 months probably 2 years before the acquisition and stopped working on recruiter box and okay. he was trying to find that thing and the two of us were running recruiter box right so what was that thing what did what are some of the ideas that he had for what that thing could be so the hypothesis was that hey when we look for jobs we can't really glean inside of a company like what it is like to work there what kind of work people have done there and similarly linkedin is probably not the best way for you to see my wins my work samples you know first hand um and now that i even say that i i can't describe a form factor to you but that the that problem or that pain seem pretty evident and i'm sure like even now like we used angel list and a list and a lot of other things to where you know we find people your sponsor for example for the sales thing etc but we were hoping if there was a easy habit forming ubiquitous way for companies to put out the great work that they do uh and that's what he was putting out like uh, that uh, a hey, way for for companies to keep showing here's what's great about us the way that like 37 signals was blogging constantly about their retreats their thing so that when they are ready to hire there's a group of people who say i like that ethos i want to work there and you don't exactly. necessarily have a a form factor for how that would be communicated but that's what you were working on and that yeah. would change the future of hiring and work and got it and you were looking that way all right that makes and, sense and create an inbound funnel of the right fit candidates basically right 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 and that is that makes a lot of sense and that's a type of thing that the top companies have that when they are finally looking you know what i wouldn't even say the top companies i would say the top people have it that they're showing the work that they do when they're ready to hire people are excited to go work for them and it changes the conversation all right so that didn't work out you didn't have that big higher purpose what you had instead was a machine that was working and that was incrementally going to keep going and you said this is too much did you take vacations in that period not before the acquisition so no wow not before no because you know that that whole piece, if, if i have to be super candid and, and i'm sure like we we of course you know we've talked internally uh but it was that that last year was a very stressful one for me funnily like again now if you connect the dots with you saying that hey why why would why would we do this right the entrepreneurship but that aside like that year was because we were like you know once we know what we are chasing then you can get a lot of energy behind you but because we were like hey is this other thing going to work if that's not happening we were like so now do we get 
realigned and re-excited about this? And then how do we figure that out? And I think you summarized it exhaustion, right? Like we were, uh, when, when this sort of private equity offer was on the table, we kind of just felt that it was simpler. Um, I definitely did that. Hey, this is probably simpler to take our chips off the table, you know, put some money in our pocket. We hadn't really raised uh, uh, any external capital. So it's not like we had like investors or a board or anything. It was just us. So, Did you, um, did they approach you? Funnily, they had approached us in 2014. Um, wow. Uh, and it, it was funny because back then they were a startup too. Now, now they are a pretty big fund here. We've also seen them grow up um, to under river capital. So uh, they approached us when they were like two people. And we, the first time they approached us, we were like 600K in revenue. And they were like, oh, you know, we, we, are you guys interested in selling? We're like buying smaller companies. And we were like, no, it's too, like everything was going great in the SEO thing. And we were growing and that was probably the right call anyway. We got to learn, you know, past a yeah. million, et cetera. But, but uh, and then what they always kept in touch. So I was pretty good friends with my point person there. I kind of had a coffee with him every quarter. So to be very honest with you, I, I, when it finally went down in the end, I don't, I don't even know who approached who because we were meeting. I went to his wedding too in Berkeley. Wow. So, this is a really good example of how to maintain a relationship so that when it's time to close the deal, you could do it. You didn't even consider other people. It seems like we 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 had a uh, we had a, we had a quick pro not process. We had a quick flirting with couple other funds, exactly two other funds, but we had the most comfort and context with this one. What was the exit? Uh, what was the price? Roughly, the, yeah, yeah. It it was uh, it was under ten. Under 10, yeah. all cash, all no, cash. no need to work out anything. And then is it too personal to say, what did you do with the money? Did you invest in real estate? Did you invest in startups? No, S&P? So, yeah. So like all three of us, whatever money we made, it's not like we had money earlier. So uh, I think all three of us bought our first home. Um, and again, uh, these two co-founders, they are in India, by the way, and I bought that home in Austin. Okay. Uh, and, and broadly though, everything's gone into equities. You're, you're right. Like it's just, just public equities because now I'm out here again, taking, um, you know, 100% risk. risk with my time. Yeah. Uh, so I, and, and it, and to be very candid, it's not enough money for me to be this like angel investor and do like 500 investments or whatever. So, and I know that the, with the nut job that, I am and we are like, we may need that money for like the next seven to 10 years of bills anyway. And the next thing might not do anything and fail. Wow. So, and you're not going to raise money at all, even though you're in the capital of raising money, you've got experience. So, you know, funnily, if this model of buying companies work and, and maybe we'll, I'm sure we'll talk more about this, even when we meet. Uh, let's, yeah. But, let's talk about it now too, to the extent that you feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. So uh, I think, um, I am more excited about raising money for the holding company to buy the companies, not to uh, not put a lot of money behind an idea to scale. And I, I'm open to that if that's the bottleneck, but if you're running efficient uh, businesses and they are in defined categories, then absolutely. I think there's a case to be made to raise money to buy revenue and buy companies. 
Absolutely. And, and so you're at a stage where you want to buy. Why not create? You mastered the process of understanding the customer, of doing endless calls, of being sensitive to what they're what they need. And no, but you're shaking your head as I say you don't want to do that. Why? No, 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 no. I, I, I was just saying. I think um, the simple reason is that it takes if you unless you're going to raise uh, a lot of money for something super specific early on, it takes three and a half years, three, three and a half years to break that first million in revenue and hit product market fit. If you build, there are some things that we would like to build, but we would definitely, we want to master this art of scaling from one to 10. I think from that's 1 million to we, 10 million, one to 10 million. Yeah. That's what we enjoy the most. And excuse me, I don't mean we'll sell it at 10, but I'm just saying that we have to master the art of one to 10, which is still the incomplete dream if, if you think about it. Mm. You feel like you didn't get to 10 million before this might be your time to do it? Exactly. Oh, wow. Okay. And so what is it about Flydata that made you want to make them the first acquisition? So uh, a, a combination of things. Um, this business had super, super low churn. And coming from that recruiter box lens, I was like, damn, like, I just kept going on and on and on looking at all the, you know, uh, logos in the, in the Stripe report. I'm like, these guys are paying, wait, two years, three years, four years, five years. Like there was very low churn and the revenue was only half a million, by the way. So it was a half a million revenue company. And this was a win-win situation where the founder previously had raised $9 million, created, you know, hired a whole team, uh, you know, had two, I think two or three products. Flydata was one of them. And now the money had gone and the team had gone and the other products had gone. And what was left with, what was left was this core product at half a million super low churn. And I was like, this is the best way to learn about this. And and uh, he wanted to go do something else, get, get a VP of end CTO job uh, at a virtual gaming company. And he, he would be very happy doing this. And this was kind of a news around his neck, so to speak. So he raised, both, he raised money for it. It wasn't going to hit. Is that it? It wasn't going to hit uh, venture valuation. And so he wanted to move. So he had raised 9 million for fly data many years ago. Oh, for and fly data. Yeah. Okay. So it seems like what happened was, tell me if I'm misunderstanding. He raised money. It had to go huge. It didn't go huge. So now he was just stuck with, stuck with this thing that was a lifestyle business, but he didn't have lifestyle business ownership. He wanted to get out. You were looking for something. You you bought it from his investors and exactly. him got it. All right. And so I see the churn made sense. Did you understand the customers? Are they people that you feel more like that you could relate to more? No. And that kicked my ass and that has been kicking my ass to be very honest How? now i understand them a lot more uh, but these are engineers and uh, even though i i even though i am surrounded with 99% engineers and pro, uh, recruiter box was a engineering product heavy company engineering product first company same thing now by the way the the uh, the, um, uh, the engineers that i'm working with are all ex recruiter box so there's a lot of comfort in the team. Uh, but it's not the same as selling to engineers. <laughs> That's been my big lesson of the last one year because uh, they, they kind of, you know, have their tribes and, and um, sort of their beliefs. And uh, we're just trying to navigate our way through that right now. Hey, I lost you. Sorry. What were you, what were you able to do to help them grow? What's your thing that, that you've added to the business? 
I think the biggest thing is this, the product uh, had stopped developing. All it did is it took MySQL Postgre databases and replicated it to Amazon Redshift. Yeah. And what we have done is, and this is where your question is very pertinent, to be honest, that why don't you build, why don't you just build from scratch? Because we've ended up building large parts of the product from scratch because now we wanted to replicate to Snowflake and we also want MongoDB. So there's no breadth of connectors and this is a connector heavy uh, problem, right? So so that's the number one thing that we've done to grow. We, we actually just launched our Snowflake connector. So we've uh, moved everybody to the new platform. We've done a lot of SEO work. So if you put in MySQL to Redshift, we are the first result, even though we are with big mm-hmm. Uh, companies like Fitran and uh, Stitch and Hevo Data. What you do is you take data from w- one type of database and you make it available to Amazon Redshift in that database. That's it. And what you're saying by connectors is more places for you to grab the data so you could send it over to Amazon Redshift. That's right. And this and- all has to be maintained as a real-time sync because the companies that use us have large volumes of data. Think about like a, a fintech site or a you know social Why- app. Why do they have two different types of databases? Oh, no. Like one business may have only one database, but I'm just saying like different customers will have a different database. So we need those breadth of connectors because somebody what I mean might is, come- Why do they need connect? Why do, um, I, don't, I guess oh, I yeah. don't understand the technology. No, why no, no, is it no, if they're no, using MySQL, question. they need Amazon Redshift? No, no. Perfect question. I got your question. So a transactional database, if you run a query on it, it will take you nine hours, let's say. If it's a trillion rows, it'll take you nine hours. So what happened is when, you know, funnily now all data is big data, but this this whole word had come up, big data, big data. What, what people mean is like uh, you can no longer compute data on a transactional database because it goes through the whole thing. I'm just like explaining yep. it in simple yep. terms. But then what happened is when, when you had AWS and all these things, Amazon had come up with something called Redshift, which is essentially an analytical database. And mm-hmm. what that means is it stores your data in such a way that when you run a query on Redshift, it takes nine seconds, not nine hours. Ah. And so what you do is you take all your transactional database, all your Salesforce data, all your SaaS application data, and you query on top of Redshift or Snowflake these days, okay. or Google BigQuery, or you know VMware Plum, whatever, or the, the Microsoft one, they all have data warehouse. And you query on top. So all your BI, your visualization, all of that sits on top of your data warehouse. Uh, okay. All right. That makes sense. And I understand also then why you'd have such low churn. I understand why this business makes sense. And now you're looking for more businesses like this. I'm assuming it's B2B. SaaS, you want the ongoing revenue so you could you could start making predictions on it and something that has tremendous stickiness. Absolutely. But Absolutely. it needs to hit a million, it needs to be somewhere around a million in revenue and ideally have the potential to get to 10 million. Absolutely. Yes, yes, and yes. And B2B. So I'm actually thinking, I started using the software for podcasting, Transistor, okay. Transistor.fm. It's so good. That's not the type of thing you're looking for, right? You're not looking for these smaller businesses that are on podcast software. Yeah, so so we could debate if that's B2B or not. I, I the, When we sort of debate this internally with the team, yeah. we have tried to just boil this down to characteristics. Like what are the characteristics of the product? What? So because we are matching our strengths to it, right? Yeah. Like, 
So, so we we could say that you could say that no. What what business do you have doing podcasting software? But my question would be: Is the customer acquisition channel all SEO? Because then I understand that, <laughs> right? Yes. For, so, and then you'd be like, "What business do you have this?" And uh, but you know, it's essentially we, we kind of build products, right? Like it's not like this um, now. This funnily fly data is a little bit of a departure from recruiter box and all the other products offers because here you need to get into database and servers whereas there you could you're kind of writing you know workflow software um but but yeah no we're just i think revenue characteristics is so crucial because each story is super unique and i'm still learning like i think we'll do two or three and then have a much much deeper thesis uh but i don't think we're prepared to say that we're only doing data pipeline companies mm. or analytics companies uh, we'll, we'll do b2b saas i won't i won't suddenly go and do a marketplace company uh, yeah that 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 would be silly i think of me but i think b2b saas is any like self serve or self serve or sales driven software products sold to smb or mid market and you know raj the nice thing about uh, b2b today is you can have that recognition that you were looking for when you were getting started that we do now know and admire at least in our world entrepreneurs who are doing b2b businesses right yeah they're yeah. they're becoming more celebrities they're becoming more cared about and in a deeper way than someone who's just creating um i don't know uh keep thinking of all the people who were creating online greeting card companies when i was getting started and <laughs> we were known by a bunch of people but there wasn't a deep meaning in there now sure. there is all right sure. so for people who want to connect with you what's the best way for them to find out who you are and where you are so email is great you know raj@flydata.com or raj@decalab.io d e c a l a b.io that's that's the holding company or you can just find me on linkedin if you you know uh, plug in raj shaith fly data or raj shaith uh, um recruiter box all right well raj thanks so much for doing this interview and i want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen the first if you need a website go to hostgator.com/mixergy the second when you're ready to hire sales people go to overpass.com/mixergy raj shaith i'll see you later today we'll do